as Watoto was just here recently, and hopefully I'm taking some men, and we're going to Uganda in the fall. If you're interested, you, you can still go because we haven't bought our tickets yet. But we hope to go to Watoto, and, and David's from Uganda. Raise your hand, David. Stand up. You're going back in July, right? Monday you're leaving. For a month? Okay. It's good to have you here at our church. He's Moses' neighbor. Been coming for a while now. Okay. God doesn't make any mistakes. He, he comes to this church, and we have Watoto, and he's been with Watoto for a couple years. And I remember the, the children from Utoto telling us that in Uganda, women are the backbone of the nation because the men disappear. Fatherlessness is not just in Uganda, it's in America. We're too busy for our children. Too busy to parent them. And then in a breath, in just a flash, they're no longer a baby, they're walking and they're talking and they're growing up and we're so busy we're missing out on so much of their life and then we get old Bob and I have right bud I was out working in my yard this week and my neighbor across the street who's been there maybe eight months came running over and said this is my opportunity to meet you I see you out in your yard all the time it looks so amazing and blah 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 and and I just wanted to say hi. And we started talking for quite a bit. He, he's the same age as me. He said he would, he would be 67 in a couple months. He has three children, two of them are girls. One is a, is a, is a boy, a man. He has several grandchildren. He was talking to me about his son being in the military and how his son works for the NSA and how, how the NSA works and how private everything is and how he's never been able to go in to the NSA and, and see how it operates. But he said, he said that his son told him that we are now preparing for war, imminent war for America to be involved in. And it's all secret at this point. It's because people would get all panicky. Our nation is in trouble. We do not like to admit that, but we are in trouble as a nation and as a people. And I do believe it's because of our, our calloused hearts toward the unborn. The army of unborn that will never get to be fathered or mothered. Who are slaughtered while they're in the womb. How merciless we as a people are. I chose to speak this morning about beautiful feet. Feet are anything but beautiful. Those two words do not belong in the same sentence together. Beautiful and feet are oxymorons. When I was a kid growing up, I could distinctly remember the looks of my dad's feet. We lived on a farm. Work was our life. There was always something going on. We were always to be busy. Workaholism was part of who we were. And my dad would come in and take his big work boots off and his feet just stunk so bad you could barely stand it he would want us to rub his feet and I would think I'd rather kill myself <laughs> and I could distinctly remember my my father having 
the worst smelling feet in the world. Yeah, seriously. They smelled exactly like Limburger cheese. And you know, if you know me at all, if you know me at all, you know I hate Limburger cheese. The people ask me, why don't you like Limburger cheese? Because it smells like my dad's feet. And then they laugh. They think that's crazy. I don't even think we begin to realize how much impression is being made on us at a young age and how things affect us. And when I think of the scripture, I think the scripture actually says that our feet, some people's feet, I should say, are beautiful. Romans 10, 15. Paul is actually quoting Isaiah the prophet from Isaiah 52, 7, when he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. If there was ever a day and age that we need peace, it's got to be today. It's got to be now. I know for a fact this morning that God is in this place right now. And that God so desires, so very much desires for you to have peace. And he knows that the only way that you could possibly have peace is through the gospel, the good news, that Jesus didn't just save you for eternity. He saved you for right now, right now, from the hurt, from the pain, from misunderstandings, from rejection, from all kinds of things that have occurred since you've been a baby in your life. And he would remind us that it is very, very, very important that you take every day as a gift from God. Isn't today amazing? Today is amazing. It sure is. Did you know that your feet have roughly 250,000 sweat glands? Put a boy, uh, you put a room full of teenagers together just before bed when they take off their socks and you need a gas mask. When we, Maria said yes, so that's my segue. Here's my segue into my illustration. So we were, we, I, last summer I had a rite of passage time for fathers and their teenage sons to go together for a few days up north at the camp and, and to kind of go through this whole right into manhood. And just before we went to, to sleep, I went over to the Denhoff room. I don't see Hernandez here today. Is he in here? Hernandez. Uh, he told me he went somewhere. I think back. Oh, he went backsliding. Yes. No. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so I went over to the room across the hallway. And I got within a foot of the door, and I thought, God, have mercy on us. <laughs> Not kidding. It was intoxicating. Yes, you know, sometimes when your feet have been cooped up all day in tennis shoes, that those 250,000 sweat glands are producing up to six ounces of sweat in a day. Now, this is how I could illustrate that. We had to get a new refrigerator, and this one has a water and an ice 
thing, you know, it's, oh my gosh, it's amazing. You just, I was pushing it last night before bed and I was thinking, wow, Jesus is this good. There's even a light under there. And it actually tells you how many ounces of water are in your cup. Oh, Jesus. And I'm pushing that last night and I'm thinking about my message for today and I'm just thinking, six ounces of sweat every day just from your feet. That's a lot of sweat. That isn't even including the rest of the body. Wow. Madeline Albrecht is a woman who knows a lot about stinky feet. She knew that she was designed for greatness when she was, she was hired by Hilltop Research Laboratories. It was a, a testing laboratory for Dr. Scholl's footwear, because that's what they specialize in. Her job was to sniff feet every day, to literally sniff people's feet and study the smells. She did this for 15 years. She has a record during her pungent career. She set the world record for sniffing approximately 5,600 feet and then died. No. <laughs> I have no idea what happened after that, but I'm thinking she must have been delirious or something, right? Isn't it awesome that God has such a sense of humor that he would actually say that feet are a beautiful thing? And when you think about it, you, you just honestly, you have to think to yourself, God loves every inch of you, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He loves every single inch of you, and you came in today feeling unloved. When you have a baby, and we're blessed to be getting our second one in, in December, and, and my kids were over last night, and we had, we had our little awesome girl. Yes, I do know her name. Somebody's going to say, he's had an entire time to remember his granddaughter's name. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I call her Bella instead of Selah. And <laughs> Bella is our dog, little female dog, which Selah actually likes. It's amazing to kiss their feet. Anybody else done that with your kids? Raise your hand. Oh, Jesus. Steve Wilson has become a professional at kissing his three girls' feet. And probably your wife, too, right? Oh. We need to have a retreat, a couple's retreat, so you can get back to kissing your wife's feet. <clears throat> Whether you realize it or not, the feet are really, really super important. So I'm, I'm messing around with these thoughts all week long, and I'm thinking to myself, Dr. Steve, who's my friend, is a chiropractor, he told me that when you get to be old, balance is a big issue. And so when we got in the car today and I saw my wife still had these high platform shoes on, I said, you know, lady, you're getting old for those shoes. Those shoes ain't made for walking. So, you know, when you get older, your balance is a big thing. And Dr. Steve told me that you should practice Standing on one foot. Go home and try this for a while and see how long you can stand. Seriously, it's not so easy. I thought about 
preaching my entire message on one foot, and I thought, there ain't no way. I can't even make it a minute. Your feet are very, very important because of the balance for your entire body, the grip and the strength to walk and to run, the shock absorption, so that the rest of your body is not jarred as you move. Each foot has 26 bones, 33 joints, and a network of more than 100 tendons, muscles, and ligaments. And I put down this because it actually made sense when I was studying this week that there are three parts of the foot. The forefoot, which has 14 bones, all those toes up there, is basically used for propulsion. So if you had an accident, and I know people who have had diabetes and lost all of their toes. In fact, I know people who have actually had half of their foot cut off because diabetes got into their feet through their sugar levels and whatever. It's because your feet are the furthest thing from your heart. And I think that's even really valid and important when you're thinking about God and how he says, blessed are those who have beautiful feet because they take the gospel. Your feet have been motivated by a heart that is right and they walk in the ways of the Lord. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. That's the man who understands that where your feet go will dictate whether you are beautiful or not. Feet are beautiful if they go to the right places. Those toes are very important. Then the middle of the foot is the midfoot. It's considered to be the arch. It's for balancing. It keeps you steady. And people who have arch problems, we told Josiah this this week because he's Chinese and he's 14, and it's, he hates his feet. He's not here this morning. He's at wrestling camp, left at 6 o'clock this morning. And, and so I can talk. I do anyway, but... One thing you realize, if you adopt Chinese, the backs of their head are flat, and the bottom of their feet are very flat, and their eyes are very squinty. I'm always, I'm always like wondering, I wonder if they're Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Filipino, Vietnamese. You're Vietnamese. See, I could spot her anywhere. I, we were actually somewhere the other night, and there were a whole bunch of Asian people, and I just said to him, bet you're from Vietnam. And he said, no, China. <laughs> Have a nice day. And Josiah scurried ahead of me like, you're so weird, Dad. What do, why do you have to ask Asian people what, what nationality are? I don't know. It's just I usually think I can tell. I've been to Vietnam so many times. And we, my wife is crazy about Asian people, and you've heard me say it at least 100 times, and that's why Asia Boy is still here is because she thinks He's next to Jesus because he's Asian. He's beginning to think he is too. She's said that so many times. And then there's a hind foot, which is really, really important. The back of your foot, the heel of your foot is very important. And all of these things really relate to Scripture too because God designed us so that our body would illustrate the importance of every part and how those things have to function properly for you to be able to go on every day in life. The hind foot has two large bones and is usually used primarily for pivoting. And I, I find it interesting 
that as, as you look at Scripture, and if you were watching, you know, and I'm not a big sports fan, but since Josiah is a sports fanatic, I've actually kind of growing into it now. I told Nick you would be proud of me. I actually went in the room, Nick, by myself and watched the NBA playoffs because we were cheering for the Raptors because the Warriors have won too much, even though, you know, we like that Stephen Curry dude because he's fast like a bullet. Um, but... I forgot what I was going to say. No, I didn't. So, oh, I should have wrote it down because I don't remember now. The What? Epiphany? Oh, pivoting. I need an epiphany. <laughs> Who's the guy that hurt his heel? What? Yeah, Durant. Two guys got hurt. But Kevin Durant hurt his Achilles tendon. And I thought that was interesting because most of us don't even understand what that is when they talk about the Achilles. The Achilles, because I actually do think it connects with what the Bible says about Satan, you know, attacking the heel of Christ and Christ crushing the head of the serpent because God doesn't make any mistakes. This is what Christ did. Satan thought it was over by crucifying Jesus. But what happened at the cross was that Jesus crushed the head of the serpent, pivoted that entire thing around and came out of the grave. Hallelujah. How about a big hallelujah? hallelujah. He crushed the head of the serpent, but we don't live like it. We live defeated. The Holy Spirit's been in this room since we walked in here this morning, and the praise band people know it's true. Ryan said it to me right back there. The Holy Spirit's here today working in power. The heel of our Savior crushed the head of the serpent who wants nothing more than you dead in hell. That's it. Caleb, can you get my water up there, bud? Greek mythology has a Greek warrior and leader in the Trojan War who kills Hector. Don't look at him. He's not important. He's just looking for water. I think it's up there in a red cup. Isn't it? Thank you. Oh, sorry. There it is. That thing snuck away on me when I wasn't looking. Sure as I'm standing here, somebody's going to say, he needs retirement. He's going crazy. Anybody else? How many people are at least my age or older, 67 or older? Raise your hand. How many people? One, one two, three. Oh, there's a few people don't want to raise their hand. They go, see, women wanna, never want to tell their age. What is wrong? What? What's wrong with telling people your age? Is that a bad thing? How many people are in their 60s? Raise your hand. 70s. 80s. No 80s? Oh, Tom. That 80s, that has an effect on you, doesn't it? It kind of pulls you down. Pulls you down in your seat. Your body starts to shrink. You know what? I actually wish it, this would shrink and this would grow. But it's not how it works, is it? So the Achilles is a big deal. The average person takes 18,000 steps a day, about 65,000 miles of walking in a lifetime. It's hard, it's hard to even imagine. Proverbs 4.26 says, give, give careful thought to the paths of your feet. 
The reason why most of us are so depressed and discouraged, maybe feel defeated today, is because you haven't given careful thought to where your feet are going. Romans 10 says this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How can they then call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one with whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The context for this is really important. The disciples were gathering with Jesus for their final meal. They're all there, James, John, Judas, Peter, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Simon, the Zealot, and all the rest. And the disciples all know that something is about to happen. They can feel it. They can sense it because they've been with Jesus for three years now. And Jesus is very quiet and pensive, as anyone would be if you knew what you were headed into in the next 24 hours. Because he's God. What person do you know that would not be horrified by the thought of having your flesh ripped out, of having nails through your hands and your feet, about being ridiculed and, and torn to pieces, having the power to stop it all but not doing it? So Jesus is quite quiet, and suddenly he stands up, and he takes off his tunic, the outer coat, and he takes and wraps a towel around his face, and he gets a basin of water, and he goes to the end of the table and kneels down. Without a word, he takes the foot of one of his disciples. He picks it up, the dirty, smelly foot of one of the disciples, and he starts to wash his foot. And one at a time, when he has finished, he takes a towel and he wipes the, the foot dry. And no one dares to speak. The disciples are trying to figure out, something is wrong, and you are washing our feet. Why are you washing my feet? Because the custom was normally because the roads were dirty and the Romans were really strict about how the roads were to be built, but they just had this crushed layer of dirt on the top of all this gravel. And, they, and as a person would walk all day long on that, wearing sandals, their feet would get filthy dirty. I do a lot of working out in my yard and I find out that I only have certain flip-flops or tennis shoes that I wear. And when I come in, the bottom of my feet are just black. And even though I may not be sweating and may not necessarily need a shower, I know that I need to wash my feet. And so the custom was that as you entered a home, people would actually go get a basin, not the master of the house, but the servant would go get a basin and wash her feet. That was the way it worked. So it was common in the ancient world to provide a basin of water for visitors to come if a servant wasn't available and wash their own feet. The custom goes back so far that the first four mentions of the word feet in the Bible involve washing dirty feet. My Lord, said Abraham, if I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought that you may wash that you may wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a bit of bread so that you may refresh yourselves. This is why you have passed your servant's way and that you may continue on your way. It was a custom all the way from the beginning of time to wash your feet. Like you would expect someone to wash their hands if they're in any way serving. And if you go into a restaurant nowadays, it says no shoes, no shirt, no service. Because it's a sign of uncleanliness. I've come to the conclusion in America that if I have lived through 30 
visits to Vietnam, I can eat just about anything. As I remember prior to my first visit there, a friend of mine who had been there many times said, you may be staying in a really nice hotel that is very clean, but let me just say this, since there's very little soap in the country, most of the people that are fixing your food, their hands are just filthy. Not to get too far off track, but I thought it was interesting this week to listen to what is happening in our country, and specifically in California, with all of the foreigners coming across the border. And now a doctor was on television very irate about what is happening because they're putting so many children in a place that was not designed to hold that many children and there are some things that are going to become epidemic in nature and spread. They're very, very concerned about what is coming to our nation um, that may be foreign to us, that we don't have some kind of medicine to stop. And he was begging for our Congress to listen and stop the traffic from across the border. One more thing I want to say right there. All of you that are sympathizing with these people that want to come to our country, remember, it is illegal. It is not the people who go through the process that I'm upset about. It is the illegals that are breaking the law by coming. It is still against the law, and a country without borders is not a country. Did you hear that? A country without borders, not a country. We should stand against it. We should stand or we're going to be judged. If I say anything, I put myself in danger now because everybody is, is using the court system to come against anyone who they don't like. If we stand against abortion, we're going to be ridiculed. So be it. It is still right to stand against the murder of babies. My wife and I were on the other side of town to do something was uh, was that yesterday? Or she or she's not in here. We went into Walmart to get it. No, it started. I said, let's just get something quick at McDonald's. And if you're an Alpine at all, you know that the McDonald's is up on a hill. You could see forever. And all of a sudden, literally, as we're looking down out of out of the neighborhood back there, or whatever was back there, massive trees that I could see came about 15 black men. I'm assuming I, I, it looked like they might be from the Congo because their skin is usually darker. Hey, I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm, I'm, I'm sharing a reality. They were kind of walking like they're in the hood, you know, got the rhythm in their body. So I said to my wife, I wonder where they all came from because in Maine, there are 500 people that came out of the Congo who are taking over a town, literally. And have been warned, and they found on them documentation saying, ICE is your enemy. I'm not making this stuff up, you who think it's funny. I'm not making it up. It's not a laughing matter. It is a serious matter to come into this country illegally. We should be against it. We should express our opinions about it. That is not mean. You don't get in any other country without correct papers. If you have tra I've been to 40 some countries. If you've been to any other country, you know the rules are very strict. You will not get in, you will go all the way back home. Are you listening? Yeah. Funny people. I think it's offensive to God when we think it's it's not a big deal to break the law. It is a big deal. So we went into Walmart to buy some groceries and 
just as soon as we walked in, there was some sweet corn there, and we started doing our street corn thing, and 25, I counted. Hispanic guys came in, like, rough. Headsets on, latest tennis shoes and stuff, and walked in there, and came right over to where we are and just started staring at us. And I said to my wife, don't look up. Don't, don't make any response. They were walking through the store like harassing people. We got all the way back to the dairy section. Five guys surrounded a woman that worked there, a black girl that was working in the store and putting stuff, product in there. They surrounded her and began to harass her. It was As I walked out, I said to my wife, let's just get out of the store. You could think this is fun and games, but it is not fun and games. It is what's coming to America. The prophets would have warned us if they were alive today, warned us that illegal entry creates problems. It builds an age of entitlement. And I would, would agree with what I heard this week someone say. The next generation is the generation of offense. You following me? The next generation is the generation of offense. What I say in this room, if you're offended about it, I would say this. You should ask yourself, does the shoe fit? Or should he be able to say what he needs to say? Foot washing is for people who just can't get enough of Jesus. You know what that is? It's people who just can't get enough. It's not a Sunday morning deal. It's a lifestyle change. Servanthood is a lifestyle change from being entitled to being blessed. Are you following me? Some of us have never learned what it is to actually have to work for what we have. We've never learned what it is to have to actually go out and get a job and don't sit at home. But we've been taught it's okay, you deserve this. Hate ICE. Hate leadership. Hate pastors. Blame everything on them. I have invested my life in some people only to receive back from them dirt. You don't care about me. Yes, I do care about you. I would not have the courage to say what I say if I didn't actually care. It is time for America to wake up. The warrior finds honor and service. I wasn't going to share this, but I'm going with the Holy Spirit right now. And Listen, this book has blessed me so much, and I shared it in praise band this morning. I think this is the problem. He gives you codes by which to live in this book, Erwin McManus does. And I'm only on the fourth code, and I think they're riveting. He says, the warrior gains mastery over their mind. The warrior cannot know the enemy if they do not know themselves. This is the problem. We don't even know ourselves. We don't even realize what we are capable of doing and what we get involved in more by mistake of not knowing ourselves. I'm telling you this. You need the body of Christ. This idea that you can stay home and do church at home is direct from the enemy. You need the body of Christ. You need each other, don't we? I've prayed for him so much in the last couple of weeks because of, of, of physical issues. We need each other, don't we, Bob? We need to encourage one another. It's when you don't even know yourself that you can't relate to your wife, to your kids, because everything is always about you. 
And anyone who tries to help you eventually becomes your enemy. Your mind is also your minefield, he says. Your mind is your minefield. I just want to share one more thing that I wrote in the margin because there are a ton of things in here. We do not see the world as it is. We see it as we are. Got to let that digest. We do not see the world as it is. We see it from our own perspective and where we are, don't we? Our ideas about things are tainted. You can't accept certain things because you're there. We have so many issues today that have happened in such a short period of time, it's riveting. Transgenders that we're expected to accept without saying a word because they'll be offended. They don't understand. We're not trying to be mean. We're trying to tell them they'll never be happy in being something that God did not physically create them to be. Am I right? But well, we won't speak up. We must be silent. We can't even speak up about what we think about sucking a baby out of a woman's womb with a suction cup, ripping the, the limbs of the body right out. God is grieved. You cannot tell me he isn't. If we aborted all babies, I wouldn't have one of my three children. People, it's time to wake up. It is, it is time to be as angry about sin and these things as they are zealous to make us accept it. Are you following me? The reason why we, there's some of you in here that laugh off everything because you are not being honest with yourself about what you have become. That's not being mean and saying that. People, we need to know ourselves. Servanthood doesn't exist in our lives, and we're hurting because of it. I, I want to say this to the person who's in the room right now who is right on the brink, right on the edge, because I pray for this body. I text at least 40 guys every single day to keep them on the path, 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 keep them on the path. Somebody should be keeping us on the path. And I'm telling you, we are slipping because we don't know ourselves. You ought to be in church because it'll keep you from doing something you might do next week. Yes. You agree? Yes. Foot washing is for those who look at the text, Luke 7. You see this woman, I came into your house. She's talking, I don't, I don't want to read that right now because that's the end of my text. Just skip that one, okay? The warrior does not serve because they cannot lead. They know that they cannot lead if they do not serve. Is this true? The warrior doesn't serve because they cannot leave. That's not the reason why they don't serve. They can't lead because they don't know how to serve. They've ab abdicated their position as a leader because they've looked at service as something that they did to please me. Somebody wrote to me in the last couple of weeks and said, for the past eight years I've been trying to please you and haven't been able to do it. Screw you, basically. And I think to myself, you don't understand. If you are sitting in this room and you are serving because you're trying to please me, God will not be happy and I will not be happy. You should do what you do because you're in love with God, not trying to please me. I have my own issues. 
Well, pastors are supposed to be perfect. Newsflash, they're not. Big newsflash, right? They're not perfect. Quit using me as your excuse to stay home on Sunday, to stop tithing, to go drinking all the time, and put pictures online to tell everybody how great your life is now. You're lying. You are lying to yourself and everyone else. God have mercy on us if we believe that garbage. Thank God for friends who care enough to come after us and say, I'm going to slap you in the face. I'll slap you silly. Get back on the path. Have you ever had that happen to you? Because I have. I would be dead if it wasn't for friends who prayed until I came back to God. I am not worried about having a big church. If we drive a few people out, so be it. What is important is that we bring the gospel of good news, the good news gospel that will transform the life of anybody in this room. When I was up at the keyboard, I usually scanned the audience to see who's in here, and I scanned a few people, and I'm not making this up. The Holy Spirit said to me, there are some people who are very, very discouraged. They don't even want to live, and they don't want to tell anybody. I got, a, I got a news flash for you. God cares. He is not interested in your sin. I've said it a million times. He is interested in your salvation. He is not interested in your past because once you accept Christ, the past is in the past, and you are cleaned through the blood of Jesus. And you can live triumphantly if you could get that in your mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but became a servant. His freedom came when he learned that serving frees you. Fame is what you do for yourself. Greatness is what you do for others. You want to be great, and I don't think it's wrong to be great. Do you? I don't think it's wrong to desire to be great. I think you should be desire, you should desire to be great at the giftedness that God has given you. Use it. I happen to think my son-in-law, Nick, is a fab, fantastic preacher, and that Zach Rasmussen is a fantastic preacher, and I'm going to tell them that forever because they are. The devil's always lying to us. Make us think, I can't do that. I can't change, Pastor. I can't have any victory in this area of my life. And that is lies from the enemy. He wants you to be discouraged. Greatness is not the absence of humility. It is the absence of apathy. It is not the absence of humility. It is the absence of apathy. Do you know why most of us aren't successful? Is because right now your eyes are becoming heavy and you're having a hard time even paying attention because you, you're just, you've just resigned yourself to the whole hum attitude that nothing will ever change my life and I'll never have the power of God upon me. Wake up if somebody's sitting next to you and their eyes are closed, slap them. If they're closing. Visitors go home and say, I actually told the people to, Slap somebody. T.D. Jakes would tell people to slap people. He said, well, you're no T.D. Jakes. He doesn't have anything I don't have. He doesn't have anything you don't have. The problem is we want everything to change overnight instead of taking baby steps. Mm -hmm. Well, my little granddaughter's on the verge of walking here shortly. She's going to be walking. I can't wait. 
And then my wife said to me, I don't want her to grow up so fast. What are you going to do? There's another one in the oven. Just be thankful. They're just going to keep popping them out. They want five. I have a feeling that won't end if they're all five girls. There's got to be some football, basketball man. Got to be a skipper's man in the house. Right? We'll take whatever. Just keep popping them out of the oven. Popovers. Wow. I think life is a pursuit of excellence. And whatever we do, is it not a pursuit of excellence? Whatever you do, because everybody has different gifts, you should want and desire to be excellent. Every manifestation of greatness is buried within a life of discipline and servanthood. It is. Every single manifestation of greatness will always come through serving, not expecting laud and praise, but serving somebody. You could save someone's life today, couldn't you? Everybody wants to be loved. Everyone wants a attaboy. Everyone wants that. It could literally change the course of their life if you would be a servant to them. Warriors do not fight just for themselves. They fight for others. Real warriors. I oftentimes say I want to think of five guys that would go into the jungles of Vietnam with me if we were dropped in there from the helicopter as our guys were way back there in the 60s. Five guys I want to take with me. I have now in my life far more than five. I have like an army of guys that I'm close to in this church that come every Monday night and sit in front of me every week that are, yes, I want to be different. We could be dropped in together, and it would not any longer be just about ourselves. It would be about protecting the other lives of the four men that are with me, wouldn't it? We're in an army, people. We got we to gotta know what our battles are. We got to choose our battles because choices will determine momentum. Which battle do you want to fight and which one don't you want to fight? Which one is not worth fighting? Set that aside. Don't fight that battle. Fight the battles that you know you have to fight. There is nothing more debilitating than giving your strength to the wrong thing. You're exhausted then. Exhaustion is legitimate. You might be weary in the room this morning and feel like throwing in the towel on your marriage, throwing in the towel on your business. You might be thinking there's no future that is anything you would want to see. And God says, it is time to refocus. Do you have it good? I'm going to tell you this right now. If you have feet, you have it good. Would you ever dream in your wildest imagination that those two little things at the bottom of my body could actually determine where I'm going and could hold me up and keep me strong and hold me up? Those feet are designed to control more than you think parts of your body. I looked at the diagrams. It was amazing how they are connected to various parts of your body. Points on your feet affect your health. That's why Jesus made a big deal out of it. That's why Paul made a big deal out of it. He knew that our feet were very important. Some of us just need to refocus right now. The second thing I want you to see, and it'll be shorter than the first one, true servanthood always has the right motive to glorify God through serving others. This text is ridiculously amazing. I read it, comment on it quickly before we leave. 
When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And she stood behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what other people are going to think about her touching him and, he, and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus, 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 and being able to read minds even. Nothing is said. The Pharisee is just planning what he's going to say to the council. He's just laying it out. See, this is what we do. We plan our, our line of attack toward the person who is doing something that we should be doing. Jesus answered, looked at him, and turned around and said, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a, a certain moneylender. One owed them 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. It would be something to stop there, but that's not where he stopped. He said, now you, Simon, you tell me, which one of them will love him more? <laughs> Simon replied, that's, that's simple. I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, turned toward the woman and said to Simon, well, looking, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't do what you would do for anyone. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her, her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered the house, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured her most expensive perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Because you don't realize you think you don't have any sin that needs to be forgiven. You think that every time you judge me, you judge someone else. Every time you judge that, you are basically saying, I have little sin. They have great sin. Jesus says, that doesn't work. Because... Whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace because they're going to rip you to shreds. They're going to tear you to pieces. They're going to talk about how this man is a phony He's a phony. They're going to put it in the newspapers. They're going to spill it to the entire community, and they're going to spend the rest of their lives trying to point out his phoniness. He got so caught up. This Pharisee got so caught up in the act of sacrifice that he forgot the object of sacrifice. Whew. Come on. 
Jesus is in the house. God, you are here. You love us. You are the object of my praise this morning. Spirit, break out. You know how we'll know when the spirit breaks out? When people who are upstanding people in the community confess their sin and set the example. Say, set me free. Mm -hmm. Yes, I want to be free. I got this thing that just grips me all the time. It's tearing me down. I got to know who I am so I can get set free. I want to be free. I want to be free. I actually woke up several times last night because I would call them nightmares, but God was saying to me, I'm going to restore the years the locusts have stolen out of your life, Pastor. You're going to, this person talked against you so much and hated you so much, I'm going to bring them full circle around. Are you ready for me to do what I really want to do? I want to set you free. If you were in my shoes and you were standing here, you would know this. You'd become a professional at reading people's faces. Then you had to evaluate. What are you trying to say, God? This is what he's saying to me this morning. A lot of people hurting, caught in the quagmire, not even knowing themselves. So how could they be the spouse they should be? How could they be the father? How could they be the mother? You've gotten caught up in the circumstances of your life and the things in your life that have, have pulled you down and made you have to almost not talk to any about it, anyone about it. And Jesus is saying, come on back to me. Come home. Now, softly and tenderly, I'm calling. When I think of this text, I think of a song that Steve Green, he used to be a famous Christian artist. He's still alive. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Okay, I know him personally. We've had him at our church thing. I was involved in the something. I was involved in helping getting to come Grand Rapids. We had about 10,000 people at, out at, at um, Grand Valley. So I wanted to check up last night because he wrote a song years ago that he sang that it's so perfect. One day a plain village woman Driven by love for Lord, recklessly poured out a valuable essence, disregarding the scorn. And the song says, broken and spilled out, just for love of you, Jesus. My most precious treasure lavished on you. Know this is true. When you are in love with God, and Jesus, you can't do enough. When you are in love with someone, you can't give them enough. I just want to say to you who have come weary and worn and tired and broken and defeated and sick and attacked by the same stinking demons. I want to just say this to you. They will not let go. They will not just let go. They will come back. And Luke, Luke 11 says that they will come back for more territory. They'll come with seven others to attack you and to take you down. You tell them, no, get out Satan. Yes, get out Satan's spirit 
break out in my life. Power of the living God fall fresh on me right now as I want victory in my life over what I would be if it weren't for you, Jesus. Correct? I'm be honest in front of everybody in here. Do you sense there are demons that pull you back into something that are attacking you and trying to pull you back? Raise your hand. I sense this in my life, that there's demons, okay? Listen, fall in love with Jesus this morning. Tell him, I'm going to love you more because what we become what we love. We become what we love. I, I'm positive. I know it's late and I should be done right now, but I'm, I'm, I'm positive of something right now in just looking at the congregation and looking into your eyes. There are some people here that are right in the middle of bad stuff again. You're sick of it. You're, you're sick and tired of Satan getting his way in your life. You're sick and tired of it. Am I right? Am I right? You have something that he continues to attack you with. You got to be praying all the time. You have to put on the whole armor of God. And guess what? At the end of the armor of God is have your feet shod with the what? Gospel of peace. Oh, my gosh. Blessed are those who bring the gospel of peace. You got something you want victory over this morning. Stand up. I want victory. I'm sick of it. I want victory. I want victory. Don't everybody stand up. Only stand up if there's something that you need God to supernaturally intervene on. I'm not even going to look around. I pray in the name of Jesus right now. Everybody else is praying with me. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Your name is above every name, the scripture tells us. It brings down strongholds in our lives. Your name is a mighty strong tower. There's a banner out in front. Jesus, I pray that your name would deliver these people right this moment. Fresh. Move in fresh, God. Spirit of God, break out in this room. We need you, Lord. And how do we do it? By trusting you. Baby steps. One at a time. Beginning right now. Amen. I want you to do this. Come tomorrow night to my men's Bible study. I don't care if you're even a woman. You can come. Sit down. If you're a woman or you're a man.